Good afternoon. Today's podcast for AP Biology is on the Chi-Square Goodness of Fit test. The Chi-Square Goodness of Fit test is a test that's designed to compare the data that you receive through a lab or through an investigation to data that's already out there that is expected. And so you're going to hear terms like expected data and observed data as I go through this. You're going to hear things like null hypothesis and alternate hypothesis. And so the idea of the chi-square goodness of fit test, though, before we hear all those terms, is just in general to compare your data that you receive from a lab or from, you know, some kind of investigation to data that is already out there and that is expected. And so... Before we start, you have, to, you have to make what's called or create what's called a null hypothesis because the chi-square goodness of fit test works off of what's called the null hypothesis. And the null hypothesis is simply meaning that uh, null meaning no difference or nothing or nada. So what does nada mean or null? Null means that there's no difference between what you've received as data for your test compared to the expected data. There's no difference. So my I'm assuming that you know what I did here there's no difference, and actually, we kind of hope that there is a difference. So, give you an example. Pretend we're talking about um, fertilizer and plants. We would want the fertilizer to create a difference in plant growth and actually cause plants to grow taller. But we start with the idea that, you know, fertilizer doesn't work. And so we say our null hypothesis is that fertilizer will not cause plant growth to, to occur. And so we actually want to prove that wrong. We want to prove that, that fertilizer will cause plant growth to to increase. And so the idea, though, is we have to come up with a null hypothesis. And the reason is we're going to compare our measurements to what is already expected out there from a control group or something of that nature. So the null hypothesis is simply stating that there is no difference between what we have observed in our lab to with what we would expect normally. And so um, when you form a null hypothesis, you also then conversely form what's called an alternate hypothesis. And the alternate hypothesis is simply that there is a significant difference between the observed and and expected. And if we're talking about fertilizer, then we would say, well, there is a difference, and fertilizer does cause plants to grow more than the control group. And so the null hypothesis looks at this from a standpoint of there's no difference between data, and the alternate hypothesis is, you know, science, if we do everything correctly, we keep everything the same, and we change one variable, the alternate hypothesis hypothesis is that that one variable is going to change our outcome of the lab. So before we get into a science um, experiment and a science uh, view of things, so to speak, let's look at an, an example that's not scientific related to maybe get you an idea of what's, what this is about. So let's imagine that every classroom um, in the nation, all classrooms, uh, high school classrooms, have a f- split of 50-50 boys to girls. So in every classroom, we expect there to be 50% boys and 50% girls. Now, we know this probably isn't true, but just for our example, we're going to pretend that that's true. And so, uh, and you want to test that, or you want to, maybe you, something came across your mind that, you know, knock doesn't seem like this. There's always more boys in my class than girls. It's never 50-50. Well, so you could have a, a test where you go out and sample some data. So your null hypothesis would be that there is no difference between the class at Knock High School that I'm going to test and the national average, which is a 50-50. No difference between what you observe, the number of kids you're going to count here in a minute when you walk into that classroom, and what you would expect, which is 50-50. And so the null, again, is no difference between observed and expected. And so the alternate hypothesis would be that there is a significant difference between this Knock High School classroom and the national average. And so 
the first thing we can do is we can get our expected data because we expect the classroom to be 50-50. So in our example, let's imagine that we look in a classroom and there's 16 kids in there. If there are 16 kids in there, then we would expect 50% of them to be boys and 50% of them to be girls. Now, this is a real easy math problem. So we say, okay, I'm thinking eight will be boys and eight will be girls. That's what I would expect to happen. Well, very rarely are you going to go into a classroom and count eight boys and eight girls. <clears throat> so you go into a classroom at knock, and there are 16 people there. And six of them are boys and 10 of them are girls. Well, that's not exactly what I would expect. I would expect eight and eight. But the question now is this. Because there are six boys there and not eight boys, is that a statistical significant difference than if there were eight there? And because there are 10 girls there, is that really a difference statistically between eight, what is expected there? And so you have this nice mathematical model that you can go through called the chi-square goodness fit test. And you can go through this by plugging in numbers to see if the six boys and 10 girls is significantly different. And you can do this through a statistical test. And the formula for um, determining the chi-square goodness of fit test is the letter chi x squared, and that's kind of kind of funny because we never do anything with that square there. It's just an x squared. And it equals the summation of or the sigma of the observed events minus the expected events squared divided by the expected value. And so you'll have a formula to do this all the time with. Um, I'm actually making this podcast once you learn the chi-square test. You can go back and listen to this and, and figure out some things if you didn't know. But if we take our data, we have two scenarios here. We have boy or girl. So we have two possible choices for data. So we counted six boys and 10 girls in our example. Remember, we would expect there to be eight. And so we go through this formula where we add up all of the observed values minus the expected values squared divided by the expected. And so let's look at the boys for first. The boys, we've observed six and we expect eight. We would expect eight. So we take a six and we subtract an eight from it and we square that and we get two squared, which is a four. 4 squared divided by what we would expect, which is 8. And so right now you're aware that 4 divided by 8 is equal to 0.5. The next scenario we have are the girls. So the girls, we would observe 10, and we expect 8. So if we take 10, subtract 8 from that, we get 2 again, and we square 2, that's 4. And 4 divided by what we expect, which is 8 again, is 0.5. So our chi-squared value for those two different situations or possibilities, the possibilities are either boy or girl, is 0.5 plus 0.5. The sigma sign is a little, uh, it's the first or second time maybe you've seen that in statistics, you might see it, but sigma means add up or sum up all of those possible instances. And so you get an answer of chi-squared equals 1. Now it's a little funny because the chi-squared, like I said, you don't do anything with that number. You don't take the inverse square root of 1 or anything like that. It's just that the chi-squared value is 1. Then what you do is you'll find yourself at chi-squared table. And a chi-squared table, the probability is usually on one of the axes and the degrees of freedom is on the other. Let's talk about degrees of freedom for a second. Degrees of freedom are the number of options you have in your lab situation. So in this case, the degrees of freedom we have um, are choices or options. And we have boy or girl, so there's two there. But degrees of freedom is actually the number of options that you have minus one. So 
for our situation, the degrees of freedom are possible options that we have minus one. So when we look in a classroom, when we count our data, we have two options, boy or girl, that's two, minus one. So our, actually our degrees of freedom is actually one then. And then we're going to look at the probability of 0 0.05. We use 0 0.05 in AP Biology all the time, and that's the only one we use. The 0 0.05 level means that we're 95% certain that there is or isn't a difference with our data. <clears throat> and so we just calculated a chi-squared value of 1. And we're going to go to a chi-squared value table, chi-squared distribution table, and we're going to look at the degrees of freedom, which is 1, and we're going to go over to the 0 0.05 probability. We take the 0 0.5 probability and the degrees of freedom to come down to where those two meet, and the answer and the, and the number there is 3.84. And that 3.84, sometimes it's 3.841, that's what we call our critical value. If our number is less than that, that means 2, 1, or down to 0, then what that really means is that there is no statistical difference. That's saying, hey, I kind of accept my null. My null says there's no difference between observed and expected. I haven't exceeded a, a value of 3.84 with one degrees of freedom, so I have to accept the null and say that, you know what, there's no difference between what I just counted and what I would expect. So I, I, I would expect, remember the classroom example, I would expect eight girls and eight boys and I counted six boys and 10 girls. So that's really not statistically different. I'm 95% certain that, you know what, we're kind of still around the average there. And that 95% confidence um, says with this test says, hey, you know, you're okay. There's really no statistical difference. Nothing unusual is happening here. This is like normal stuff. Now, though, what we can do is look at this same example. Pretend we peek into a classroom when we see one boy and 15 girls. If you see one boy and 15 girls, now you know you're getting pretty far away from that 8-8 split, the 50-50 split. And so, again, we would, we would make a null hypothesis that there's no difference between observed and expected. An alternate hypothesis would also be made that there is a statistical difference between observed and expected. And I would use those numbers this time to do the chi-squared calculation. Instead of um, 6 and 10, I'm going to use 1 and 15. And so... Um, I still have my expected value. I would expect an 8-8 or a 50-50 split, um, but I have now one boy and 15 girls. So when I calculate that through the chi-squared um, formula, I would take 1, I observe 1 boy, minus 8 boys are expected, and I square that. So that's going to be 7 squared divided by 8, and that's going to equal 6.1. And my other instance, I have 15 girls. I have 15 girls minus, I'd expect, 8 um, that's 7, and that's squared. That'd be 49, again, divided by 8, and that's 6.1. So now my chi-squared value is 6.1 plus 6.1, which equals 12. I go to the same chi-squared table, and I look, but now my number 12 is much higher than the 3.84, and because it's so different than the 3.84, I'm going to have to reject the null and say that these numbers are so different, the one boy and 15 girls, they're so different from the 8-8 split that I would have to um, reject the null, the null says there is no difference, and accept my alternate, which is that something is different here. Now, we can't really figure out what that is. It's just the way people schedule, I guess, and that was not a science experiment, so we're not going to get into the alternate hypothesis. But let's look at something that is a science example. And so science isn't really much harder, 
But you got to remember, you cannot use percentages. You can't use 50% and 50%. You have to use real integer numbers. So you got to convert expected percents to expected integers or real numbers or whole numbers, I guess you could say. So one of the most common chi-squared questions that you have in AP Bio is that you have cells that are going through the cell cycle. And most cases, the cells are in interphase, which is about 85% of the time. And they're only in mitosis or in actively dividing um, nucleus about 15% of the time. And so if you looked at a so, – so imagine you want to try this new root hormone. And this root hormone you think will help plants grow faster. And so you, you treat the plants with this root hormone. You give it a week or so, I don't know, and, and you look at the cells and you see how many are actually going through mitosis versus interphase. And you first have to start out by making your null hypothesis. And your null hypothesis is going to be that the rooting hormone uh, does not make a difference in plant growth. So my observed numbers are going to be just like the control numbers, which is 85% interface, 15% mitosis. There is no difference in data. The alternate hypothesis is that the rooting hormone actually works. And we're going to get a big difference between what we've observed and what we expected. And we can attribute that, hopefully, to the rooting hormone. Here's an announcement for you. Okay, I'll continue in about a second. Okay, so back to the problem. So now um, we've made our alternate and null hypothesis. Let's look at some data. So you looked at the rooting hormone um, plants. You give them about a week, and you get some cells. So you count a total of 720 cells, for our example. Now, of those 720 cells, you counted 550 that were in interphase. And because I counted 550 that were in interphase, if I subtract 550 from, interface, uh, from, from the whole total of 720, I would receive about 170 in, in mitosis. So these are my observed values. Under the microscope, I counted 720 total cells. Of those, 550 were in interphase, and 170 were in mitosis. Observed. Now, my expected value. The expected values, again, you cannot use 85% as a number or 15%. You have, to, you have to calculate the actual integer or the whole number that you would expect from that whole mass of cells. So you had 720 cells, and you know that 85% should be an interphase. So all you do is take 720, multiply it, apply it by 0.85, and you get 612. So there should be 612 cells in interphase, and... That's your expected. If you do that for mitosis, you get 720 times the 0.15, and you get 108 in mitosis. So you should get, or you would expect, 108 in mitosis, 612 in interphase, and what you've observed is 550 in interphase and 170 in mitosis. If you plug those numbers in, you will get a chi-squared value of 41. And I'm going to not tell you the problem here. Maybe you want to do some practice in doing the problem, but the chi-squared value should be 41. And if you compare that to, again, two degrees of freedom, you could have a cell that's either in um, mitosis or interphase. I meant one degree of freedom. I apologize. you got two options, mitosis or interphase, but you subtract one from that. You've got one degree of freedom. And you have 0 0.05 probability. Hey, the chi-squared table doesn't change. You know the number is 3.84. And your, your value of 41 is way higher than that. And so if you're a good scientist and you kept everything the same in your lab, then you can attribute that big difference to the rooting hormone. So now, again, I'm going to go back to the 
beginning of what this podcast was about, the chi-squared test. The chi-squared test is comparing frequency. You're comparing frequency of observed data with what you would expect. And if the expected data and the observed data are really close to each other, then you're going to say, hey, there's no difference here. There's nothing. This My treatment isn't working. There's not a big enough difference. But if my value is higher than the critical value on the chi-squared table, which in this case was the 3.41, then there is a significant statistical difference, and you're 95% sure of that because you're at the 0.05 probability. I'm 95% sure that the rooting hormone works. It's different than. It's not the same as the control group. And so this is, you have to know a little bit, to listen to this, you probably have to know a little bit about the chi-squared test. Um, have a formula sheet in front of you and a table. It might help you. And I hope that helped you with the chi-squared goodness of fit test.